This is the audio podcast. It's episode 98, the New Year's Send Return. Happy New Year, listeners. Yay! And all that. I'm Scott Hewitt, and as always, and as you've come to expect, I'm joined by... And Samuel Freeman. Happy New Year. Hello, we're back as promised. Imagine that. That's me, and also with... Adam Yeah! And of course, we've got our standard show outline for you today. We've got some news, we've got some other, and we've got some plunder. Um, how, how should anyone get in contact with us, though, if, uh, if there's something that's on the tip of their tongue or something really controversial that they want to mention to us? The best way to get in contact with us is probably via Twitter, at The Audio Podcast, but you can also find us on Google Plus as well, Facebook, and of course, there is always email, show at theaudiopodcast.co.uk, and we would love to hear from you, and feel free to argue with us, disagree with us, and demand the right to be on the show to correct us, correct us in our fallacies and wrongness. Yeah. Don't forget, you can also subscribe to us on iTunes, you can subscribe to us on YouTube as well if you want to, and any other thing which kind of takes an RSS feed via feedburner.com slash theaudiopodcast. Yay! Oh, I'm so excited to be back. I hope you guys are. We shouldn't delay any longer. Let's plow headfirst into the news. And we open with, with a moment of sad reflection as we approach this new year. Oh, as we're in this new year. At the end of last year, we were given the devastating news that the venerable Winamp was to be no more. That's right. After 15 years or more of Winamp being... Around it used to be the best MP3 player available, I believe, but that's only an opinion. Um, but yeah, as as Scott has noted on the story for this posted on December on December the seventeenth, that was a long time ago, really, wasn't it? But hey, um, yeah, I haven't, this hasn't been run for a long time. Last time I used Winamp was on an XP box, also in two thousand and two, but. <laughs> <laughs> Thus, thus, that means how that shows how relevant Winamp has been to the music industry. Um, as a Mac person, I never used it because it didn't exist. Well, that's that's the point at which I switched to Mac. Yeah, pretty much. So, yeah, but even then, I never went to version five because, or whatever, the last I, the last a few updates, I still I didn't I didn't like them. They all got a bit too fancy pantsy, and I was able to do videos and stuff as well. Um, I liked the kind of like really crude thing. It had a really nice um, playlist editor, and the visualizations were awesome. I used to sit and watch like the, um, just a sonogram. One of them was just a sonogram of the music real time as it went through. Beautiful. And of course, ten years ago, it was when you're on, on PC, it was Windows Media Player or Winamp. So, you know. But the, the thing I love the most about Winamp, and this this is still to this day something that, apart from the kind of open source Winamp clones that do do exist, things like Audacious and such, was the fact that you could build a playlist, and the playlist, you could save them, but it was really simple and easy to build them. So you could, here's a track, and then you could just grab another file and just drop it into the playlist, and it would now play that one after the other one. And I know that you know iTunes has like party mode and... DJ mode and, you know, all these, like, a billion kind of different modes that kind of do something sort of similar. But to this day, I don't think anything ever ever has built Winamp in terms of just ease of drag the file and drop it in place. And you can just grab things and rearrange the playlist as you're playing it. And it was, you know, 
And it was just awesome. And if you wanted to play the same track again, you could just, you know, duplicate it in the playlist and it'd play again, you know, later on. It was I loved Winamp, you know, and those those early days of Winamp, it was just great. And then a- AOL took it over and I, I think Sam, that's where for me it you know, that's where all that extra video stuff appeared and all these other things appeared and stuff, and it was really yeah. And then there was the pro version. Did either of you guys ever have the kind of pro version you had to pay for? No. No. No, me neither. <laughs> I mean, like, what does, what does it do? What did it do that the normal version didn't do? It's like, I bought this to play music, and it plays music. Surely this is it done. Scott, who knows, Scott? Who knows? But anyway, so this is You our... know what amazed me, though, about the whole story was the fact that Winamp wasn't dead already. I just presumed it had died, and... Because no. <laughs> iTunes killed it, and let's face it, I'm saying iTunes, you know, you know, they they wrapped the whole thing in the one go, wasn't it? It's like you know, it's not quite as easy to use and kind of fun to use as Winamp was, but nonetheless, everything happened from there. So, and I think after but, iTunes kind of did that, and the Windows Media Player upped its game on the more recent versions as well. I was surprised to see people on newer versions of Windows that I hadn't touched actually actively using Windows Media Player. I was I mean, which I took as a sign that it must be better than it used to be. Or maybe Winamp just got so bad that... <laughs> it, it, a- AOL do have a history of a- AOL do have a history of killing things, don't they? So. Well, you know, we, we've got to say that AOL are still one of the most relevant internet tech companies out there, uh, alongside Yahoo. So, you know, it's, a, it's incredible that Winamp didn't go anywhere. Yes. If if I had the uh, tags on me, I would I would have the um sarcasm tag around that because I was it, it was just pure sarcasm. Anyway, so this is our I suppose kind of tribute to Winamp. Um, so the conclusion of that though is that on um, December twentieth, twenty thirteen, a.m., which is the date that it was officially to close down, there was somebody started a save Winamp petition. <laughs> to, um, <laughs> On the last day. To that. I, I don't know <laughs> when they started the petition, but that's the date that's busted on the front of SaveWinamp.com. So that's why I said that. Yep. How long do you think someone's had SaveWinamp.com saved up for? <laughs> oh, we, we should have checked like that. 2006, and they're like, oh, we can't use it yet because they're not shutting it down. That was somebody who was obviously sitting in for their um, Amazon delivery for their Christmas presents, wasn't it? They were just uh, <laughs> feeling it's like, oh, oh it's something to do. Oh, I know. We'll make a save Winamp page. Why not? So, <laughs> well, so, anyway, I think we should maybe move on to the next story, which is, oh, my gosh, Winamp may live on. Fantastic. <laughs> for the benefit of people who are at theaudiopodcast.co.uk slash show slash 98, this is indeed the first story and the other story being older, is lower down in the list. But yes, Winamp lives on. <laughs> or may well, live on. May live this, on. May, yeah, okay. This is, this is a, a kind of uh, unconfirmed report, but that uh, Winamp, it looks like AOL are actually going to sell it on to Radionomy. Radionomy? Sounds like something that you go to a hospital for. Um <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, if that's the case, then who knows? I think there was a, a, a kind of um, desire from the user base to actually open source Winamp and then allow people to come in and, you know, do the open source thing with it. But, you know, if if this works, then Winamp may live on. We'll see. Perhaps. Perhaps. It, 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 I think the sale has gone through. I had a quick look. I had a, you know, 
I had a quick kind of look around and ask of a few people, and there, there seems to be quite a lot of certainty that the sale is actually going to go through, and that that is going to be passed on. I, I, I don't understand. Like to to take the you know when something's about to die, it's kind of fun to kind of think back of it fondly, and you know, and these kind of things. So that's that's how you know we kind of do these things because it's more interesting like that. But retro, but. Now that it's going to live on, I still don't really understand how it's ever going to be relevant in any way. Like, so Adam, Winamp lives on, and you know Winamp's going to live on, and now you know about it. How do you see that changing your life? Not at all. It's kind of like MySpace relaunching itself, which happened what last year, something like that, with an all new interface. And even I was kind of like, oh, that looks kind of cool, doesn't it? Have I gone back to MySpace and set up an account and done anything? No, I haven't, because I don't need to. I've got SoundCloud, I've got uh, Facebook for the kind of more social side, Twitter, you know, all these things have come in to replace MySpace, which is now kind of, it's lost, it's gone from the public eye so much that it, it just doesn't carry the significance it used to. I'd say that's probably the same with Winamp, where it used to be a proper and even more competent competitor to uh, Windows Media Player, and just slowly and surely it's kind of gone down. But as I said, I'm a Mac user, so I didn't use Winamp in the first place, and it coming back has absolutely no bearing on how I do anything with music. My preferred outcome to this would have been for the whole thing to have just been made open source so that we could have gone back to that old version that was really good, really simple, Square, you could skin it, but you hardly ever did. And when you did skin it, it kept all the buttons in the same place rather than being all crazy. And yeah, if that became open source, then somebody could make a MacAmp version from the same code, and I would use that. Well, I I could recommend to you. I I just had to quickly check. I think it's is it on? Maybe it's only available on, on Linux. I'm just trying to have a quick look here. No, there's a win, there's a Windows build, but there is um Audacious, which is a um a kind of a kind of open source, kind of Winamp inspired sort of thing, going back okay. to those early days of Winamp. Um, it, it's certainly available on Linux. Um, I use it here, and I think there's a Windows build. I don't know if there's an OS X build, but that, that would be my recommendation. That's certainly what I use. I would suggest that it might be tough going, because I know that Songbird has kind of moved away from the whole uh, having a media player on your computer type thing, because that's where they started out, and then they've gone a slightly different way, and I don't know if Songbird, which was multi-platform, actually still runs anymore if they're still keeping it updated. So who knows, maybe maybe it was best to just let Winamp die and just say that's the end of the Winamp story. Things have moved on. Well, we're in the realm of what we are using in that different software that do the same. I don't think this is an open source thing, but um, I recently... Well, not that recently, a while ago. I think it was to listen to something you'd released, actually, Adam. Um, I downloaded Flack of something or other and had nothing there on my computer that could play Flack. Imagine that. So, exactly. So I was. <laughs> um, I ended up with an application called Vox, which is very simple. And um, I'm sure it could do lots of things I don't make it do, but the way I play with it is to drag a folder of media files onto it, audio files, and then it plays them. Simple as. That's VOX. I... Mm, it's got a, in the the about on it. It's got lots of links to the libraries and frameworks it uses, but um, additional source code and resources. Yeah, it pips develop by website. Maybe it is open source. I don't know. I like it though. I I haven't 
did anything advanced except listening to I'm, I'm still an iTunes person ever since I started. I mean, I'm not like amazing. iTunes is incredible, but you know, it's always done the job for me. It's got some new playlisting features in the last couple of years, which I actually use, and it, it does a generally good job. So, and, and of course, it's the only way of getting music onto an iPad or an iPhone or an iPod, that kind of thing. So, only game in town there. But mm-hmm. I'm I'm fine with iTunes, really, no problems. And on that bombshell, <laughs> we move on. Shall, shall we move on, perhaps? Um, we're, let, let's let's head on to think a little bit more about content creation rather than just the pure consumption of it. Though as we do so, Adam, you have a little bit of a crackle when you speak sometimes. I wonder if you've oh, got um, something rubbing against your microphone, perhaps. Anyway, Apogee have announced and released the Apogee Jam 96K. This is one of these great moments where the uh, modification to the new product is entirely represented by the title of the new product. So indeed... <laughs> It's a 96k. What do you think it does, Sam? Um, does it, oh, too slow to come up with something that's not what it does. Um, <laughs> it creates 96,000 pots of jam and puts them in your living room, and you have to then do something with it. I mean, I don't get it. I, I just, I don't understand why you'd need that. Yep, yeah, I, I was I was going for turning the K into something about knitting stitches, but no. Um, this is for something of plugging your guitar in. The jam feature is to do a jamming with your guitar, and there are three versions apparently. There's a oh no, there's not. There's sorry. <clears throat> yes, it works on iOS seven, and you plug your guitar into it. You plug it into your eye thing, and you can record into stuff. Way, I'm sure it's good. So this is it's basically the Apogee Jam, which I'm sure a lot of people know of, which is a way to record into iOS. Basically, gives you a a um, single analog to digital converter on the connected with a quarter inch jack. Um, it's designed to run with guitars, so it's an impedance matched against guitars. Has a hardware gain on it, which is all cool. And the new version allows you to do 96k recording, so you can do 96k 24-bit into an iOS device of your choice: iPhone, iPad, iPod Touch Generation 3 ups, or maybe Generation 5 up, if I remember correctly. Um, iOS version 4.3, and the data connector has a locking thing, which I didn't realize. I thought that was cool. Like it actually. It's not like a USB thing that just falls out. It actually like clicks and locks, which I thought that was a pretty cool, pr- pretty pretty cool kind of thing. You know, oh, wow. obviously yeah. as 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 we've discussed many times before, I just don't understand why you do any serious content creation on this tiny screen, on this touch screen thing, which is like. But mm. that's because I'm a you know, I'm 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 an oldie. No, I don't know whether or not the Apogee things have always done this, but this is um this device w- will connect to a USB to a computer as well. You could plug this into your laptop, or your yeah. desktop, or your Mac, or your Mac Pro, or whatever. You know, it's it is actually a more versatile AD converter than than just that- the iPhone thing. So. Yeah, I'm saying it is supported by GarageBand as the headline, but it also actually takes iMovie as well. And from what I can understand, it does essentially present itself as an audio interface onto a OS X build. So, you know, I mean, it's just a mono interface, and it? it's maybe a very, probably a very neat solution for, you know, a whole variety of kind of artists, not just the guitarist, which is what it's essentially pitched at in the advertisement. But you know, well, I'll, su- I'll suggest that. For something simple and straightforward, like a, a, like 
plugging a guitar in and having some effects put on your guitar, maybe that's like the ideal use for uh, iOS and these devices, rather than, I suppose, when we've talked about using an iPad or something as a, uh, as a music creation tool in the past, it's been like a sequencer and trying to create a whole song on an iPad, which, still, I mean, that seems a bit crazy to me too, but to just create sounds using a synth or to plug your guitar in and just have that as one source... I think that makes perfect sense. I think it's a really, really good way to use something that you already own to enhance your music creation possibilities. Yeah. Fantastic. Maybe. I'm not <laughs> sold. I, I think you know I'm not. I think everybody knows I'm not sold. I'm, I'm just, you know, I think consistency is important. So, you know, but there, there we go. Anyway, it's a cool new release. It's there. It's available. I think that's awesome. And yeah, now I, I think it was cool. maybe we should talk about the other end of the uh, recording chain, which is effectively what you're listening to your recordings on. Ooh, surely you don't mean headphones. Mm, surely I do. Surely I do. So in, in a classic use of a set of initials that most people understand to mean something, but in this case don't mean that, these, um, th these, these headphones are referred to as being HD at various points, which obviously, I, I don't know about you, but when I read the words HD, I immediately think 1080p. But anyway, um, <laughs> that really frustrated me. But moving on from there, it's, it's a three-part story compressed into one part. I don't know what level of interest we have or not in discussing this any further, but sometimes it feels awkward trying to discuss discuss this kind of thing. But Sennheiser have announced a new set of headphones. And the thing that caught my attention about this story, because normally new headphone announcements just, you know, like I, I suspect our listeners may have a, a limited amount of interest in, you know, headphone releases. I, it, if you need a new pair of headphones, you're really interested in it for about a week and then you, you know, you cease to care until you drop your, you know, until you reverse your car over your headphones, basically, don't you? But anyway, so now I have um, the, the kind of tease on this was a whole lot of references to the HD25s, which you know, are a very well-respected legendary pair of headphones, and I was like, oh, if they're going to replace the HD25s, then this is quite interesting. This is like a, you know, it's a new thing, a bit of industry standard kit being shifted, kind of interesting. Turns out that wasn't really the case. They're actually releasing some additional headphones, but th that's how they pulled me into it. So, um, but I did find out some interesting things about Sennheiser head headphones. Are you interested in finding out more about Sennheiser headphones, or perhaps you have some genuine enthusiasm? <laughs> I, I have genuine enthusiasm. I'm wearing a pair actually. I have the box set for my. I got a pair of um, HD two thousand two hundreds a long time ago. And this is this is their original box that's been repaired with gaffer tape many a time, and I still use this to carry them around with. Classic and, DJ headphones, I do believe. Yep. They work there, yes? They still go. They are modular apart. We have talked about these things in the past, um, because I, I was left after getting some spare parts, which I never did, but it, but it is possible. There are modular design. I imagine these are too. If any one bit of it were to break, then you can replace that one bit very easily. Well, I'd like to put a, um, a, a word in for Bayer Dynamic. I have a pair of, B, of DT250s, which I've had for over 10 years. One issue with them, which I was able to fix myself, which was one side stopped working, and I just ran a new uh, cable over to the other side. I could disassemble them, and I ran a new cable over to the other side, put them back together, and that was about two, two and a half years ago. Still working fine. 
And uh, of course, my, I like my audio technicas that I've got on here. These are open backed. And uh, I, yeah. I, I, of course, would like to give a shout out for the venerable <laughs> Wardale, Wharfdale DD1s. There we are. So style of a true 70s vintage. And they, they Stop, are actually why aren't you wearing them now? You should be wearing those now. It, I'm, no, I, I had a problem with a, uh, an amplifier, so I'm using a slightly different setup to normal today. So I'm, I'm not advised. <laughs> I could wear them over the top. Would this be okay? Yeah, that? that's fine. Would, the size of those magnets might interfere with the ones you're wearing underneath, though. You never know. <laughs> yeah, but that'll only affect him. It doesn't matter to us. Yeah. So... So, so to try and pull us on a story, I'm saying I, I kind of felt like we could have a comparison of this, but the Sennhauser specifications do actually discuss things like weight and pinch, head pinch, like how much force it applies to your head, which I, which I thought was pretty interesting because I suspect these fail on every metric because they weigh a ton and crush your skull. <laughs> but, um, I'd like to, you know, I'd like but to it is like strapping. Are actually very good for that. They're very light and they kind of have these funny pads on the top. So when you put them on, they feel very light on your head as well. You can wear these for hours. Very, very comfy. I'd like to um, go back to the box issue and say that these new HD6 <laughs> mix headphones appear to come with a really nice carry case, zip in close kind of thing, which would, um, although that's really good, the, the, um, this headphone box, this headphone box is, um, you put the headphones in there and obviously there's like a dead space in the middle, which is perfect for putting your USB mouse and a couple of other peripherals in there without so it's, which might not be the case with this new headphone case, but it would keep your headphones much from getting crushed, and these do get crushed occasionally. Though people could get their headphones in the, uh, you know, in the box, get the carry case, take the carry case out of the box, because the carry the carry case is probably in that gap between the headphones, isn't it? Right now, in the box, they can take it out and then use it as you're suggesting there, Sam. That's a good audio podcast tip. <laughs> that that should join our uh, a couple of our tips from a few. Uh, shows ago that we put in the other section, like uh, how do you carry around your headphones, that kind of thing. As Adam Yanch increasingly sounds like a Dalek, I'm just going to quickly grab the story while he tries to get the fix, some sort of fix in place. I so, don't know what's wrong with it. I, it, might, it sounds like an, a digital thing to me. Like, yeah, is your Wi-Fi breaking? or your, I can't hear. I can't hear any problem with it. Well, I can't actually hear what I'm saying at all anyway, so... Let, let's keep going, and we'll just hope that the YouTube feed, the YouTube capture is good. Is good, maybe. Maybe it's just the RN sound. We're getting problems. To finish off this H, so basically, Sennhauser have released an HD8 DJ and an HD7 DJ. As far as I can tell, the difference between the 8 and the 7 is that the 8 has um, the kind of mechanism that helps fold, fold it up into a kind of compact unit and allows you to reposition the speakers. Um, is actually has a metallic reinforcement in HD on the HD8 rather than the HD7, which is purely a plastic design. Um, you get 200, 210 degrees of movement, three different wearing positions, the option to use either a coiled or a straight cable, which can be connected to either ear. I thought that was pretty cool. 95 ohm impedance to match it up with a, uh, with a typical kind of phono amplifier, a phono level amplifier in there, and also supported by a five-year parts guarantee, which goes beyond end of life. So if you buy a pair of those head, a pair of these HD8s the day before the replacement is announced, then obviously that's kind of bad. Sorry about that, but at least you'll be able to get five years worth of uh, parts availability at the end of it. So I thought that was kind of cool. I, I was impressed by those final features. I'm saying that's you know that's the kind of thing I'm interested in. Obviously, is part availability. Also, alongside that, they've also announced the HD6 Mix. Which is the one I was just talking about, yep. Yep, which are designed to be much more balanced, um, kind of accurate monitoring. They have a higher impedance of 150 ohms. 
uh, rather than the 95 ohm of the previous one. And they don't have um, the cancellation. I imagine isn't going to be as complete on those in terms of rejection of outside stuff. So obviously, you know, HD8, HD7 are designed for live use in a DJing environment or a stage environment and have a lot of rejection to them. So you can play, have a lower monitoring level into your ears because of the improved rejection of the external sounds. Whereas the HD6 isn't going to have, isn't designed in that sort of use. So I thought that was, you know, there you go. Three, three new kind of headphones available for it. And while I was on the Sennheiser press releases, just going through that there, I also discovered that it turns out that releasing a pair of headphones in a different color also qualifies as a release. So that's the final <laughs> part of it. Um, is that this, our next news story? No, it's not a news story at all. But um, the link's there. The only reason it's really included is due to the press release blurb, which, and I quote, the lighter shade adds a new dimension to the pure, clean aesthetics of the momentum range. Awesome. Well, you know what that dimension is? It's colour. So, there you go. Sorted. Sorted. <laughs> Let's move fantastic, on. Fantastic, fantastic. We've spent about ten minutes talking about headphones. It's just odd. <laughs> you know, you know, you know. Well, the great, you know, the beauty of this is once you're listening, if you're listening to the, uh, you know, the previous, you know, if you're listening to the MP3 or the YouTube later on, you know to just fast forward. It's fine. It's fine, it's fine. Here's a great one. Um, this is one that I was particularly interested in. Perhaps it doesn't need much discussion. But just to let people know that um, RV Kudsen um, announced via the uh, Chuck mailing list his intention to create a Chuck JavaScript implementation. Um, essentially what it is is a CoffeeScript implementation, which is going to be parsed into JavaScript to run inside the all of the kind of high-speed JavaScript engines that exist. It's just starting out. There's proof of concept only. Looking for participants. Anybody who's, uh, you know, knows a lot of CoffeeScript or a lot of JavaScript and is interested in Chuck, you should, you know, go check that out because that's going to be a really interesting and exciting kind of project if it comes together, which I hope it will. Awesome. Glad you put that in the show. But, yeah, not much to say on that. We've already done um, the Winamp story, so we can move on to our synths killing music. Can I stop you right there? No. <laughs> that's it. Let's move on to the other section. All right, other section. <laughs> now, we can talk about that if you want. We should perhaps say what it is we're talking about. There's a Guardian article which was entitled Synthesizers are killing film and TV music, say British composers. Um, it, it's essentially a classic synths versus real instruments debate. Um, I think Adam actually... From, from Adam's tweets that I've been uh, enjoying this morning, obviously after he read the show notes for today. I think Adam can offer us an appropriate insight into this story. Okay. Uh, I don't know if I, if I talk for the audio podcast here. I certainly talk for myself. I think this is just nonsense, really. It's nonsense. It's, it, it just strikes me as a couple of composers who are like, oh, well, we write for orchestras. Oh, no, these people here, they, they write using their computers. Oh, oh, and it's, it's cheaper to do it. Oh, well, that must mean it's worse. And it's like, yes, you can get bad quality from doing it that way, but you can also get incredibly good quality doing it that way. You can get good quality doing it with an orchestra. You can get bad quality doing it with an orchestra. It's just tools. That's all it is. So I'm kind of... <sighs> I'm kind of a bit irritated that this kind of story even comes out in this day and age. It's like, can't we just accept the fact that technology's here and it's actually a really useful thing? It's really obvious why TV uh, people who make TV shows and films would make music this way. It's just, you know, I, I just they don't have. There's no argument to have to to come back for. It's just so obvious. But anyway, I mean. 
it, I, it just frustrates me a lot. I I have nothing else to contribute. This, you know. <laughs> Sam. Um, no, I'm going to hold back. I'm going to hold back. I'm going to leave it at that. I'm happy. That's fine. I mean, uh, you guys don't have like an, a, a different opinion to me or a different view on it or something like that. No, I mean, like I'll. I'm going to open a can of worms on the like, on, on the agreement that we'll just move on without actually exploring it, which is that towards the end of this Guardian article, they, I mean, and through it, there's the the economic argument about about that, and I think that if you're going to talk about economic factors and orchestral music and stuff, then that's a whole different debate, which doesn't really go in the favour of the orchestra either. So, yeah, that's all I'm going to say. I suppose one one thing I would say is I think it's possible, you know, I don't want to see the eradication of orchestras, but, no. um, but there's a, a clear economic reason to make music this way. To make music for film and TV in this manner, it's it's clear. If if the if these composers have a problem with the quality of it, rather than saying our synthesizers killing music, and by the way, it isn't synthesizers we're talking about here; it's sample libraries we're actually talking about here. <laughs> um, so you know they've even framed their argument in this 1970s way, which is really stupid. Um, rather than trying to say, our oh, synthesizers killing music, they should be getting on board and actually being like, okay, this is the technology you're using. Here is a way of making it sound better. Let's improve the quality of what you're doing. And, you know, we can give you guidance. We have experience in how to do these things to make them sound good. And it's like, that's the problem I have. Is it's a negative thing to do rather than a positive, like, let's... Let's take what already exists and let's make it even better. That's why I don't like it. Okay. <laughs> I think we're done. <laughs> I, I think so. Well, it, it's it. This this struck me as one of these stories where we could argue about it and discuss it for ages, couldn't we? And well, we could, but there isn't someone on our team who's going to play the other side of the argument. We're we're all in effective agreement, I think. Yeah, I'd, 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 I wouldn't be genuine, and that's, that's not good. <laughs> Shall we head into the incredibly creatively named exciting section that comes before the humorous section of the show, which is the other? <laughs> so I, I guess for those, for, for people who may be just picking us up in the new year, this is uh, where we discuss things that aren't news and don't qualify as plunder, and they're generally very retrospect in, introvertedly focused because they're essentially about us the audio podcast, which is kind of fun. Um, so I thought, I, as I was writing, checking the show notes out and making sure everything was good to go, I realized this is show 98, which means that show 100 is not very far away. Um, you know, if we are, as we are often want to celebrate things, so show 100 could be a course of celebration. I wondered if um, either of you guys or perhaps anybody online had any suggestions as to what we could do for show 100 to make it more fun. Cards and poppers. Okay. And uh, uh, what they're called. You blow them and they go. Wee! Fair you enough. Put them in your mouth and they and they unfold and whistle and I can't remember what they're called. That's cool. Okay. <laughs> I, I second that motion and um, <laughs> yeah and well yep yeah, I think maybe taking suggestions if anyone else has any 
anything to add to that or anything different that they might like for us here. We could invite back our previous interviewees. There's been lots of them, non, not perhaps not recently, but there's been a lot of people interviewed over the time. We could perhaps email them all and see if anyone's available on the day. Yeah, might, it? might make the show a bit long. <laughs> um, I don't think we would interview them all again. I think maybe just see how many people we can have on Google Hangout without crashing it. I don't know. That, that, that can be fun. So if you have like a suggestion, favorite episode or favorite story, but that would mean having to go back through the annals of time and actually decide on one. And we kind of did that at the end of last year, didn't well, we? Well, for last year's stories, maybe. Yeah, in fact, we could do the whole every show ever. And there's the specials as well. There's lots I of think, specials. Missing. I think we should hold back. This is only show 100. I think that, like, although it's like quite significant that we've done 100 shows in just under three years, um, <laughs> I think that we're probably good to go for 100 more. Let's 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 hold yeah, back. Yeah. Let's see. Shall, shall we have the 100th show on the uh, anniversary of the first show? That would be no. having about a month off, Adam. Yeah. Oh, sorry. We'd involve having a month on, and also whenever we whenever we state that we're going to do something <laughs> on a given date, we fail absolutely. <laughs> so it's important that we don't do this. Don't do okay. that. If you've got a suggestion, though, why not tweet it at us um, at the audio podcast? Why not hashtag it show one hundred? Because that's just like it's fun to have a hashtag in it. So why not? It's, it's way. fun to have a hashtag. <laughs> um, that could have been a show title, but I hadn't given it a name already. Also, moving on, those I know some people only watch our YouTube, some people only listen to the MP3 download. So it's just like you know, if you're in that there in that case, then the infrastructure behind the show has changed somewhat over the Christmas festivities, and we have a new audio podcast website, and we have a new podcast generator um, for podcast.theaudiopodcast.co.uk. Um, I will write a blog post about about what's changed and why it's changed and our new infrastructure. Um, it probably won't. I'll put a link. I'll put a comment on the audio podcast site about where that is. That post won't be up there because that's um that that's kind of other stuff. It's not really anything to do with the content. But just to let you know, it's kind of been changed. It'd be awesome to get feedback from people. I'm sure these two are about to weigh in with lots of suggestions in a minute. It would be great to have feedback from from people about things like that. And I think you should be able to listen to the show on pretty much any device. So if you've got something that you can't press play and hear the show on then if you could let me know, that would be awesome, because then that's something that I could try and fix. So let's start that there. But, what, you know, I'm not fishing for compliments here. Likewise, I don't want it ripped to shreds either. <laughs> constructive. Keep it constructive, people. Keep it constructive. I'm just, uh, I'm just loading up the new website on uh, a mobile device. Very nice, very nice. Uh, yes, that, that works. Woo! Although, oh, well, okay, fine. The, um, on the mobile device, it, it doesn't look like it's sectioned, but actually that's all in, that's on the front page, so that might be right. That know. is indeed correct. That is that is very true there. And Sam, I can tell from your face, a sense of satisfaction is just there. Yep, I've already commented off air on this. I think it looks good. I mean, it's it's a website. It's cleaner than it used to be. What, what? What more can I say? It's show notes. People are going to read these things and then click on the link to external content most of the time. Most of the time, in, indeed. And Sam and I continue to be shocked increasingly at the number of people who uh, seem to use our website in that method. It's, uh, for, for material years old, it's it's fantastic. We we, we appreciate it very much. We, we see these things through Google Analytics and it's kind of fun to find a lot of people are really interested in something we did two years ago. Because yeah. it is. It's cool. Hey, it, it, it encourages us to keep going. It so shows how far ahead of the curve we are. 
Yeah. Hey, let's save, this is this is show one hundred shots. Sorry, let's let's save this for show one hundred. Come on, let's All move right, on. Okay. We've got plunder to do. <laughs> it's plunder. <laughs> rawr, 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 rawr. So an awesome feature that Winamp had, and if Winamp continues, we'll still have, and that iTunes has, and that Windows Media Player has, is the ability to apply EQ while you're playing back the file. And uh, Lifehacker had an article which said, which said, should you do this? Should you equalize the music when when you're listening to it yourself? Now, um, they the the main you know. The, the the big kind of broad message I would have suggested is that from what they said, the one bit of advice that I thought was pretty solid was the idea that you should generally equalize down, not up. So if you know if you want to make it, if you want to turn the bass up, then turn everything else down. Don't turn the bass up. And well, generally, that's true for for if you're doing it in the studio as well. You tend to do cuts rather than boosts. Yeah. But this got me this got me thinking. So I I don't know if you guys have any thoughts or any tips for people as to how you'd like to do this. Um, you know about this kind of thing, but the thing that struck me about this is that if you consider how much money that you know people spend on plugins to do EQ processing, you know, like in the studio environment and in you know inside things like that, and then consider that the EQ that you get inside something like iTunes is pretty, you know, they're, they're not great, are they? I'm saying they they have they they you know they do introduce artifacts, and it just struck me. Do you guys listen? Do you guys have EQ curves put onto MP? Put onto your audio player playback, or do you not? What do you? Um, have? I always have it off in software. I always have it off, um, just because I suppose I don't have a reason to say, oh, why do I, should this be more bassy? Because I just go with whoever created the music knew what they wanted it to sound like, so I'm happy to go with that. Um, though I'm not going to use that argument to say that um, it should be eradicated from software and people shouldn't be able to tweak the uh, their um, their EQs. I think that kind of EQ, like the IQ, EQ you have on a, a stereo, home stereo, is really for um, balancing in the room, isn't it? It's to take into account uh, the weird shape, a weird shaped room, or a weird sounding room, and to compensate for it. So maybe that's really what it's for. It's to, it's to, you know, your headphones aren't bassy enough, or your headphones are not high enough, and so you can at least compensate. But I always leave it off completely. I always leave it off. I'll occasionally use it. For speakers, I don't think I would ever use it on headphones because the headphones are the way. That's probably the closest physically. Well, it's the closest thing to a neutral sound I'm likely to get because you don't have the room. I mean, yeah. But although, obviously, yeah. Okay, forget headphones. We've done that. <laughs> but in, in the room, sometimes, and it's often when I'm in an alien environment as well. When I'm in somewhere where I'm not used to. At home, I've got things set up with speaker placement, speaker choice in the in my own environment, in my own listening environments, I've got them sorted out without any EQ. But if I'm somewhere else, plugged into someone else's speakers, I might say I like usually to reduce the highs. Just generally, would be the only way, only reason for doing it. I'd say with the headphones thing, though, some headphones are naturally more bassy or naturally higher, uh, more toppy than others. But they're like, always the same. Whatever you're listening to, though, like your headphones is your headphones, so you know that. My headphones sound oh, this way. So. But yeah, but yeah, between between tracks, it's all the same. But just relatively, because I had some Sennheiser in-ear ones, which were actually bassy, and I actually kind of didn't like the bass so much. I kind of felt it was a bit too boomy 
for me, and I found some other ones that were much more flat. But uh, you change your headphones. That's the hardware choice. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we're all glad that Adam doesn't apply EQ virus MP3. We we wish he also didn't apply bit crushing to his microphone, but unfortunately it's... Well, there's nothing I can... I don't know what that is. That's the second layer. We're getting your voice loud and clear. We've just got this additional you know, bit crushed effect. Yes. It's nice. It's nice. I like it. Let, let's push on here. Now, Scott, um, can I just stop you there? Oh, sorry. I'm so and I, sorry. I, I just want to award you the prize for not having refreshed your show notes page. <gasps> Thank you very much. <laughs> Oh, did we? Did oh. we? Have we missed something? We, we jumped. To, we we jumped. Oh no! I, I was doing that on purpose. Oh, okay. I didn't know because you didn't tell us beforehand. Oh no! Oh no! Sorry. Should we do? Should we do that? Should we do the one that we jumped at the end? I'll yes, that, the that, end. That, that, that was my intention. Yes. So okay. um, here, here's another one. If you're um sitting, um, if you're you know still on holiday, you haven't made it quite back to work, or you're just looking for some kind of develop some new technique in 2014 then um, the pro audio files have a great list of articles from 2013 which is their recommended reading a lot of it is method and technique which I thought was pretty awesome I, I thought that was cool um, so that's worth checking out also in a similar vein Propellerheads have released a tutorial for Parsec which is about making bells which I also thought was kind of was, was kind of fun as well so th- there's a couple little bit a little bit of technique and stuff like that as well um, I'm just going, for the show notes, I'm just going nuts here. But let me get to another one here. Did any of you guys have the opportunity to check out the Digital Music News article about the 13 music industry lies? No, but this is intriguing. <laughs> what is it? I'm going to look at it now. <laughs> me too. <laughs> so so it, essentially it, 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 it is a kind of, they, they've highlighted a collection of what they consider to be lies that the music industry propagates and, you know, and, and how these things are kind of dealt. So, like, you know, lie one, great music will naturally find its audience. And they're just pointing out the fact that there's so much stuff out there that it's almost impossible for anybody to find anything. So, any particular thing. So, the odds of somebody finding your good thing is particularly slim. You know, and, and this idea that the, the long tail, you know, artists will thrive off the long tail niche content. So, you can make something and then, while it will never do spectacular, it will do okay forever and therefore you'll be fine. So, I start like this and, no. And it, it it's you know it's an article that if you're how can I put this um it's an article that I suspect will affect will very will enrage everybody who reads it um you know yeah you know and and obviously you guys haven't read it because you're not enraged yet oh, well, I, are you are you talking about number three I was just checking here are you on no no like all all of them all of all them, of them. It's, it's, I, it, I, no, it, it says things like you know t-shirts the fact you will not build your you know your income stream will not be built off selling t-shirts this is not going to happen well just remember that this is an article by some guy that's it it's just an article by oh, some gotcha. guy so i mean how much truth is there behind it there probably is some truth behind it and there probably is some that's just kind of like just guessing it's just a I don't know. Can't take it too seriously, really. Well, of course not. But it's fun to, you know, it's it's fun to read it and allow yourself to be enraged by it for fun, perhaps. <laughs> there you no, go. I, you know what? It's plunder. It's not news. So it's you know just random. It's it's stuff that you know we've we've came across and decided that we may or may not have, you know, liked or not liked or whatever, as I say. Now, now, Scott, can I just ask you, do you like Bitcoin? Do I like Bitcoin? 
That's a, it's a very leading question, Adam. Could I ask you, Adam, have, have you thought of any ways that uh, musicians could possibly make money? Bitcoin um, mining. Yes and no, but I don't think you you haven't read this article properly. You, you don't really know the story here, Scott. Um, so the the story is um, the new cryptocurrency, which is called Coinye West. Okay, and it's not really to be honest, it's not really an audio podcast type of thing. Um, but the idea this is the reason it's at the very end. <laughs> That's so this is the reason it's at the very end. Um, <clears throat> I had to get special permission to put it in. Um, but yeah, so the, the idea is it's basically a Bitcoin-type currency, and the people who are making it have said, oh, uh, well, we're going to call it Coinye West. We can quite clearly get where that reference comes from. Um, and, and it's basically like a kind of, um, not an ode, but it's like a kind of, uh, we like Kanye West, so we thought we would uh, name our cryptocurrency after it, but without actually asking him first and and getting him his permission. So, uh, yeah, they they're supposedly going to launch it on the 11th of January, but uh, Kanye West's lawyer is like um, has sent them a cease and a cease and desist letter uh, saying no, no, please don't do this because. I, I don't think they got any any OKs from Kanye before this. Maybe this was actually just a trolling exercise in can we get a cease and desist from Kanye from from the lawyers? Maybe maybe they, I, maybe that's mission accomplished for them. Who knows? It could be two things. I mean, who knows? Kanye could be involved in it somewhere. But mm-hmm. I think it's like if we call it this, then Kanye's you know Kanye's obviously not going to like it because you're basically using his image to promote your own product without his permission. So there's going to be a big story. It's going to come around the tech stuff. We're talking about it, so it's obviously worked. Um, And I think that's probably what it is. But whether it becomes a successful currency, it's a a very interesting media strategy, yeah? But whether it becomes a currency, I don't know. But, so uh, at, at, at this point we've gone miles away from audio podcast territory, which is we, traditional, we have, which yeah. is which is perfectly fine. I I, I just like there. I'm saying there's a there is a clever point that's being made. I, I I would suggest to you there's the possibility that a clever point is being made here, which is to say that um there, there is a lot of interest in alternative currencies and cryptocurrencies are a interesting are an interesting alternative kind of to current to to the notions of fractional reserve banking and currency that we operate our lives with currently, which is the thing which melted and kind of almost, you know, almost destroyed the world, shall we say, for want of a, make it not so kind of crazy, so stuff like that. And these currencies are looking at these kind of things, and the, the interesting point they make about them is the fact that, you know, obviously Bitcoin is only worth something because people are willing to trade things in exchange for it. Likewise, this cryptocurrency would only be worth something if people were willing to trade things in exchange for it. And essentially that is the that's the interesting point because there is no limit to the number of crypto cryptocurrencies we could have. There is um is, is it if I remember correctly is it Douchecoin as well which is the one after the dog. There's like that kind of meme the dog meme and so there's a currency named after the dog meme and there's there's many of these cryptocurrencies of which Bitcoin is the most well known, but is far from unique in that perspective. But Bit Bitcoin is well known and is trading quite high. I haven't I haven't checked it right now, but there is you know Bitcoins are getting into the kind of high dollar values as you know, kind of legitimate things to be, you know, to, that people are willing to exchange real money in the real world for. So that's, you know, 
That, that's what it is. Um, that's far beyond our ourselves to oh, remix. I'm trying to think of a really great source to recommend people to, but um, I'm trying to think what would be um. Uh, I I'll put it in the comments. I'm like off the top of my head, I can't think of a great source, but um, I know the kind of people I'd want to recommend you to. Um, have you guys have you used any cryptocurrencies? He says as he stalls for time momentarily. Um, I, I think we should wrap it up, Scott. You can just post Fair it in enough. the comments. Yeah, I think it is. It's, it's, it's worth of note. This is the first time we've probably mentioned on the audio podcast this thing, which has been around for a long time and has more recently been getting more publicity in the mainstream than it had earlier. Um, lots of which has been kind of negatory and fear-monging. So it's nice to see something that's just a bit of a laugh story drawing attention to Bitcoin as a thing and alternative currencies in general. That's all I have to say on that. Fantastic, so fantastic, fantastic, fantastic. Uh, John C. Dvorak is the name I wanted to suggest. There you go. That's um. <laughs> there you go. That that's that that's some more extended and more extended coverage coverage in this sort of space. So that's a good place to kind of go and have a look at. And uh, Thomas Gideon from the Clanline podcast would be cool as well, but he's kind of on hiatus, so I don't know if he'll have. He will have covered it if he wasn't on hiatus, and I suspect he'll have back, back catalog stuff. Anyway, with that done, we have reached the end of the first episode of the audio podcast for 2014. Wasn't that that was exciting? I had a great time. Um, so this was the audio podcast episode 98, the New Year Send Return. Don't forget you can get all the show notes at theaudiopodcast.co.uk/show/slash 98. Let us know if you've got a great idea for what we could do for the 100th episode. If you want, we're not committing to anything, but you know it's nice to hear. Um, I have been Scott Hewitt. You can, uh, you know, you can tweet me at Scott Hewitt. Um, I'm Samuel Freeman. You can tweet me at Samuel Freeman. And I am, and will continue to be Adam Yanch. And you can tweet me too. Yay! Happy Bye. 2014. Bye. Bye. Bye.